When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the latest episode of The Shamrock. I'm Pete Sampson, joined by my co-host Matt Fortuna after Notre Dame's fairly dramatic 41-24 victory over Syracuse. It starts with a pick six. Uh, It ends with Notre Dame sort of just bludgeoning Syracuse into the JMI Dome turf, JMA, uh, block, <laughs> block punts, yeah, JMA, excuse me. Um, it, just it, it was interesting in the fact that it was a highly complimentary game by Notre Dame in terms of the defense, the special teams, and half of the offense. Uh, and so Notre Dame gets a, a top 25 win. They will almost certainly be bowl eligible now, which was not, you know. Highly, highly likely, but you know they needed a, a game like this to with to have some breathing room going into November, um, and they have no answers with their pass game right now at all. Uh, so it's there's a lot for Notre Dame to feel good about. Certainly, a much more good than bad today. Um, but I felt like the the pass game part feels a little bit ominous right now with Clemson visiting next week because I don't think Notre Dame is going to be able to run. 56 times for 246 yards and three touchdowns against Clemson. 246 yards only. I mean, kind of skewed because of the end, but 4.4 yards for us. It felt like a lot more than that because it felt like they were able to do whatever they wanted on the ground for the most part. Very efficient. We we saw them essentially do that strategy in the second half. Drew Pine, I think, attempted five second half passes um, because it just wasn't necessary. I mean, Syracuse was lifeless offensively. I don't know whether Garrett Schrader was hurt, whether he's banged up, whether he just was ineffective, but clearly um, they needed a spark offensively, uh, and they got it from Carlos Del Rio Wilson, um, who probably scared Notre Dame and their fans a lot uh, in the second half. I mean, when it gets to 24-17 and they have the ball, and you're seeing Notre Dame struggling to move the ball through the air the way they are, um, it's very easy to to, to picture a, a, a path for this to unravel for Notre Dame, but they got a big pick, um, courtesy of a deflection of Howard Cross and uh, – Maris Leopold being there to crawl it in. And uh, that was pretty much all she wrote. It was, uh, you know, Syracuse certainly not play the part or look the part of a ranked team um, or of a team that probably should have beaten Clemson last week. And uh, we talked a little bit about this on our uh, pregame show, midweek show earlier this week. And just didn't really know what to expect. Didn't really know what to expect out of either team <laughs> this season. But Syracuse in particular, I think, was about as much of an anomaly as a 6-1 and one, um highly ranked team could be. And uh, they did not look very good out there today. Notre Dame really imposed its will. Um, I would say both offensively and defensively for the most part, and special teams. Yeah. And I, I put this out there, but if anyone's having a better year on that staff than Brian Mason, I don't know who it is. I mean, he's made no. such a big difference um, in such a short period of time. I mean, he had the, the one block at the end. And I don't know if they officially credited the other one. I, I think they Patel didn't. got a piece of, of another one earlier. He he get, he affected it enough that Mason jumped up like and celebrated right. with him as he was running to the sidelines, and that's like 
we talked to Mason last week um, during midweek access, and I wanted to do a story on punt block, which now he's sort of writing for me, which I appreciate <laughs> it, Brian, if you're listening. Um, it's it just is um, it's a weapon that every punt is affected because they know Notre Dame is so good. Like whether they block it or not, your your operation is sped up because you know that Notre Dame has a block on at some point that they can cut loose at any moment. So that's been, yeah, I've never been as interested or at the edge of my seat when the other team punts as I am now. I mean, we've gone from like fair catch central to like, this is Notre Dame choosing violence against the opposing punter at any moment. Um, it's what a sea change that has been for uh Notre Dame football program. I know it's minor if you don't watch closely, but all of our listeners do like, it's fun to watch Notre Dame try to block punts now. It is. And Brandon Joseph, it's, you, you talk about Fair Catch Central. Brandon Joseph, who's been the punt returner this year, makes his presence felt in this game otherwise defensively from the get-go with, with the interception and, and should have had two. Got, had one wiped out by penalty at the end. We can now officially say, I think, um, they have as many pump blocks as uh, takeaways, right? Five and five this year. It is five and five, yeah. Imagine and that. It, <laughs> and it was, you know, that was another thing about today that I thought was significant when I mentioned complimentary football. They had 14 points off turnovers today. They had 10 points off turnovers in the first seven games combined, um, which is shocking. And that doesn't even include the punt block that turned into like a five-yard touchdown drive to estimate, right. nor does it include Syracuse completely indefensible move right before halftime to go for it on fourth down near midfield. Um, that, I mean, if Marcus Freeman did that, if Brian Kelly did that, we would be killing him for it for a long, long time. I don't know what the heck Dino Babers was thinking, especially with a quarterback who you know is banged up at in that moment at a time it's fourth and seven and you're averaging 2.6 yards per play. You're at the 39, right? I think the ND 39. Yeah. That. I, 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 I'm one of those guys who's always like, go for it, go for it, go for it. So anytime I see someone go for it, it doesn't work out. I, I hate to be the hypocrite who's like, well, you shouldn't have gone for it. I don't mind going for it. I just thought the play calling throughout the day from Syracuse left a lot to be desired. The, they, the yeah, end around yeah. on second and one, like I, I, I'm not sure I've seen a worse offensive play call. Had, they had a couple second and third and short plays where I'm just like, you realize you only need one yard here, right? Or two yards here, right? It was very uh, perplexing. Robert and I, who's been the play caller there, has had a phenomenal season otherwise, but um, I feel like with the Dino Babers coach team, there are always going to be a couple of pair pulling moments throughout a game where you're just kind of like, what's he trying to do here? Because it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Obviously, making the quarterback switch, uh, you know, had the potential to prove beneficial for Syracuse. I mean, uh, Garrett Trader was just 5 of 14 for 35 yards in the first half with one touchdown, one interception. And, and, and I think Del Rio, um, sorry, Del Rio Wilson, um, top that on maybe his first drive, if not his first drive, his first two drives in the second half, he, he definitely injected some life into that building. But I thought it was, it was fun, encouraging, whatever the word you want to use to see Notre Dame impose its will on a game through something other than the ground game, which they did do here, but like the yeah, defense certainly. coming up with the big plates when they did special teams doing it again. We haven't, I mean, again, five turnovers on the year, two of them came to that. Like, <laughs> They had not played a game like that defensively all season long, and they did against an offense that had shown signs of, of, of being really good this year. So I think that's encouraging. I think it's encouraging, especially going into next week's game uh, against Clemson. Uh, and Michael Mayer is still very, very good at football. Right. Uh, he made a catch literally sitting on sitting down 
Um, I believe he recovered an onside kick. He had another big catch that set up a touchdown. Um, he's three, the, one of the more impressive three catch 54 yard days that you'll find. Um, <laughs> the performance does not match the uh, statistical production. He, he was no, uh, very, very no. <laughs> it was nice that he could do it. Um, at a place where John Mackey actually played his college football as well. So at, at this point, oh, if, the Mackey, if the Mackey award uh, overlooks Michael Mayer this time, it's they're just, they're doing it out of a place of hate. Um, it Mayer is, is basically the entire offense in terms of the past game right now. Uh, he had three catches for 54 yards, seven targets. Notre Dame's receivers finished with eight targets. Um, that's a pretty common stat line as well. Um, it's not, they're not in a healthy position uh, with their past game right now with Drew Pine. I'm not sure that there's a market improvement out there for him. Um, from nine of 19 for a buck 16, he was one of five for 11 yards in the, in the second half. I sort of put out on Twitter, like midway through the first half, guess Drew Pine's final stat line. Because I figured it would be something like this, but look better than it did. Um, they just they have to figure something out with him um, because they can't. I don't think they could definitely beat Navy and Boston College playing this way. They might even be able to beat USC playing this way, mm. but they're not going to beat Clemson being a run first, run only offense. Like I could see Notre Dame, I could see USC being scattershot enough that Notre Dame runs the ball effectively. Uh, I realize they lead the nation in turnover margin, so maybe they're due for a few turnovers on their own. Uh, but next week against Clemson uh, is going to be a hell of a litmus test for this offensive line, which is not playing well. It's playing phenomenally well right now. It's uh, to watch them move Syracuse's defensive front down the field, basically at will from the beginning of the game was impressive. This It looked like, you know, when we watched offensive lines are playing well in the fourth quarter, or they're like, oh, they're clearly wearing down the opponent. Like, it looked like Syracuse was worn down at the beginning of the game. Um, that's how well Notre Dame's offensive line is playing. Yeah, before the quarterback switch, I, I'm like, what's the final score going to be? here? Like, how much is Notre Dame going to win by, right? That was the question, at least I had watching the game. Um, obviously, things change a little bit in the second half. Um, but but the offensive line really is looking like that group that we all kind of envisioned back in August, uh, back when they brought Terry Heastan back uh, to, to coach this unit. They, they've been playing phenomenally so far. It's going to be a hell of a test next week against Clemson. I mean, I I'll be curious. You know, ever I still can't, and I'm sure our listeners can't get out of their heads that when Tim Murray came on our show uh, about a month ago, now. Um, <laughs> One of his Vegas experts said Clemson would be a one-point underdog to Notre Dame. That was, of course, before uh, Notre Dame had lost to Stanford. Uh, I, Vegas has been down on, on Clemson all year, and Clemson obviously showed enough vulnerabilities last week against what we saw was not a very great Syracuse team, where I think the most optimistic Notre Dame fan can talk themselves into this being a better game than, than advertised. I'll be fascinated to see how Vegas ultimately judges this one pregame. Um, sure, Clemson will be favored, but... Because of the way Clemson looked last time out, I, I can talk myself into this being a really good game if Notre Dame plays pretty flawlessly offensively and, and if DJ struggles and, and they don't know what they're doing quarterback wise Clemson. But uh, I'll be I'm you're more optimistic than me for the the first time in the history of this podcast about uh, a Notre Dame Clemson matchup because I I came out of today thinking like they're going to sort of lean. 
they're going to stick their head in a fan against Clemson with the run game because um, they they cannot rely on Drew Pine to throw it. Um, you know, his touchdown pass was a, what, a three-yarder to Jaden Thomas off play action down by the goal line. That, that was a s- smart play, well executed. But um, I it sort of started charting drop eight. Um, like, how does Pine fare against that? The last two weeks, he was one of seven for eight yards against drop eight. Um, his completion to Colsey in the second half was was against drop eight, to be fair. But it feels like when teams play pure coverage against Notre Dame, that Drew Pine has a very, very difficult finding the places where the ball needs to go. That's, I think, one of the first things I want to watch on the on the review of this is how much did Syracuse do it on Pine's 19 passing attempts and how many were completed? Because I think even the um, the interception that he forced to Mayer in triple coverage when both linebackers fell off was a drop eight situation. So it's um, there's definitely a, a book on Pine out there now um, that maybe no pun intended. Yeah, but up uh, it's it was fun to see uh, Malik Zaire and Ian Book get into like a Twitter back and forth about Drew Pine briefly today. Um, no, I missed that. Yeah, that's more exciting than the game. Yeah, you you can you can guess uh, which side that uh, Drew or uh, yeah Ian Book was on there, but um, yeah, that's just that's where Reese and Pine need to put their heads together and be like, all right, when this happens, this is what you do, and it may just be you take off and fall forward for three yards um, instead of standing back there. Like he got absolutely crushed in the second half. I think that was in the third quarter. Um, he's. It just, I don't know, it's hard for me to get my head around this guy has played enough football and still is uncertain about what he's seeing in front of him. Um, they got to they gotta have a come to touchdown Jesus moment, the two of those guys, to figure out, all right, here's, when they do this, you do this. Stop thinking, start throwing, or start running. Yeah, I don't think touchdown Jesus was involved with their exchange that, surprisingly enough, did not go viral, but the ESPN harped on one when... Uh, I think it was in the third quarter. Katie George was describing how much uh, Drew Pine likes the hard coaching from Tommy Reese, asked for it, and then they showed uh, an exchange where uh, all I made out of it was you have a job to do, get it, bleep and done, and then there was a lot more after that. It was a lot more animated um, than the one that went viral um, during Pine's first start against Cal back in week three. I was, again, pleasantly surprised that didn't like turn into a thing, but when you win by, what, 17 points, um, those issues tend to fall by the wayside a little bit. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, this Clemson defensive line is, is it's classic Clemson, right? I mean, they're just loaded with, with top 10 talent, future first round picks there. 
they haven't always played together, but they are coming off a of bye week. Presumably, will be as healthy as they've been. Uh, to your point earlier, they're rushing defense seventh in the country, giving up just 89 yards on the ground per game. Uh, they're good. They're really good. I mean, matchup wise, it's really really tough for Notre Dame. I'm not by any means saying they're going to um, win this game, but. I don't know. The way I am with Clemson Notre Dame, I feel like you are with Notre Dame and USC because I don't really see a path to Notre Dame beating USC. <laughs> um, I could maybe see one with Clemson just because I think Clemson's played with fire a little bit too much this season and will eventually mm. get burnt. Um, maybe that's in the ACC title game. I don't know, but it's a night game. It'll be the first. I mean, look, there was as much of an environment as is humanly possible the last time they were there, given the limitations on the crowd. Right. Uh, and there was a field storming, and uh, the crowd, I think, had an effect on the game. It will be different this time around. Now, look, maybe that works against Notre Dame, because as we talked earlier, Clemson fans, have not had a, Clemson fans of this generation have not had a chance to go to Notre Dame, and I'm sure they're going to eat up the chance to do that um, this season, especially with this being their last row game, especially with their team being undefeated and right in the thick of things right now. Um, this is their last just, road game? This comes the last ACC road game was two weeks ago, Florida State. Yeah, they've had oh. a very front loaded schedule, very front loaded, which is why I'm not as down on them as everyone else. But certainly, there are flaws there that someone I think will eventually ex- expose. I'm not sure if it will be Notre Dame with what we saw from them um, today and what we've seen through them all season long. But definitely, the offense line is just trending in the right direction. Um, it'll be nice, maybe not for, for Notre Dame fans, but it'll, it'll be nice to see. Uh, uh, oh my God, the name's escaping me right now. Will Shipley, sorry, the running back. Yes, Notre Dame really wanted that guy's a dude. Like he's he's really freaking good. Um, he's a game changer back there. Their offensive line is I wouldn't say great, but it's definitely not as bad as it was last year. And he's he's more than made up for that uh, this year. Uh, uh, even in 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 victory today for Notre Dame, there's still a handful of plays. I know this is every team everywhere, win or lose, but there's still a handful of plays, and you just went over a bunch of them offensively even defensively that, that just make you wonder like, what are they going to figure out? I keep coming back to um, the, we're talking about bad play calling with Dino Babers. They handed it off to Sean Tucker on third and eight and he got it because one of the Adam Malolas couldn't wrap him up. And like, yep. that was, I felt like that was a give up play call that turned into once again, a first down. Mm-hmm. And we've seen way too many of those on third and long situations against Notre Dame this season. Um you know, we saw it with BYU. We, we saw it last week, even with UNLV, with their quarterback. So there's still a lot to be cleaned up there. They're going to have to clean it up next week. Um, but I'm definitely a lot more excited about next week's game um, after today than I was coming into it. Yeah. Only for the final score. Yeah. The, you mentioned sort of like weird defensive plays. I, I thought the first touchdown drive was bizarre. The way that they had, I think it was almost like they were playing kind of a 4-4 vibe uh, with Xavier Watts down in the box. Leaving Benjamin Morrison, who right. who's six foot ish, against a Ronde Gaston, who's six five, definitely, and it was just like pitch and catch. This that's an easy touchdown. Like they didn't even really make Schrader work for it. So it was. There's in look, the other team is allowed to score, um, is allowed to have yards, allowed to have big plays. Um, but I do think the big plays against Notre Dame are weirder than they are. At other places yeah. nationally, I have no data to support my position, um, but I just I feel like Notre Dame gives up some really bizarre plays, uh, and you know that Syracuse had at least two big time drops today. That would they have changed the outcome of the game? Probably not. I mean, definitely not. But certainly would have churned up the the volume here in the 
JMA dome as I look up at the sign to make sure I don't say JMI um, more than it was. So it, um, I think Notre Dame's defense is just it's pretty good. Um, Isaiah Foskey is playing a lot better football. I think J.D. Bertrand was phenomenal in the first half. Uh, hopefully people who are skeptical of his athleticism and, and skill level watch today with a, a better appreciation for just how good he is. Um, you know, Jack Kaiser made a really nice play on that second and one end around that made no sense. You know, Brandon Joseph should have had two picks. Maris Leifau did have a pick. Um, it was nice to see some a more broad base group of guys make plays for the defense than just hoping Isaiah Foskey. You know, and, and you know, getting into the the third quarter pick, which was so um important in the game and the flow, like that wasn't just like a bad throw. It was like Howard Cross got his right. hand up and tipped it, and Maris Neofile made a, a really athletic play to get it. So it's not you know, you sometimes the plays are just there for you to pick up the ball and run with it. Like Notre Dame had to go out and force the issue a little bit, and I think it was good to see more guys on defense be able to do that today than just Foskey and maybe just Bertrand. Um, this was, you know, certainly the Brandon Joseph. I thought that I thought Notre Dame was getting the whole time. I was surprised that it, it was. He said it was his first pick six of his entire football career, high school included. Wow, that's surprising. Would not have guessed that. Me neither. Me neither. Um, speaking of first, Deion Colsey, three catches, 44 yards. Welcome back. Um, yeah. I think he's welcome. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> welcome. Uh, yeah. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, I hadn't seen any of them. I'm not sure he even had target this year. I know he's banged up earlier this year. Yeah. No um, targets this year. You know, it was nice to see. Uh, at least I think it was nice to see. Um, Marcus Freeman really again after the reps, after um, I think it was the first quarter, third and one from the five. Notre Dame's running a hurry up, and the refs basically let Syracuse change their entire personnel and put their hand on the ball and do not let Notre Dame go hurry up. And Freeman is losing it. And uh, I don't know what there's any like actual explanation for all that 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 went above my head because it didn't make sense to me in real time. I thought it was good to, I don't know, I just I thought that's a fire you want to see from your head coach during a, a series that doesn't make really any sense. Yeah. One, I agree with you hundred percent. I, that was my first question to him after the game was like, what happened in that moment? And he was like, they, I thought they shouldn't have been able to sub. And apparently behind him, somebody on Notre Dame's defense had taken a couple steps onto the field and then taken a couple steps off. And as soon as that is sort of, a, as soon as that happens, if you sub, you're allowed to do it. Um, so he was just like, yeah, I get it. Um, they explained to me after, I mean, he, he, Basically, the way he described it was he it wasn't like an intentional. I'm going to rip somebody a new one just just to do it. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought that it's you know for a, a a younger head coach who's sort of new to it, kind of the new guy in class. Like, do you want to be just tearing into officials every every moment? Um, he seems like no, like is pretty reserved with them. So I wondered if maybe it was a little bit more of a comfort level that I'm going to go after this guy opposed to having a, just a pleasant conversation with him. But I mean, he was like probably at least five yards beyond the coach's box right. um, when it was happening. So I, I think from Notre Dame's point of view, that it was good to see. I don't know how significant it is, but I think it's 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 something. It's worth noting. Well, I appreciate that philosophy because I think it. Yeah, like to your point, it it, it if you do it less, it makes the time to do do it 
that much more remarkable. I mean, yeah, purple face Brian Kelly became a meme because like he was purple face a lot and he got angry a lot. And that becomes very easy to at least from the outside world to tune out and probably from the inside world as well. I mean, there's just, you know, so many when, when you're mad about everything, it just kind of becomes yeah. your, your natural state of being. I think when you do it with purpose, um, it, it has a better effect uh, on your on your team. Um, another Michael Marino broke Tyler Eifert's receiving yards record. Uh, for a Notre Dame tight end, he beat his receptions record back at the BYU game. Um, I guess I'm surprised. Like it didn't take him long because it's still only 33 games in, into his career. But like at this point, I'm just like surprised there are any records left that he doesn't have that <laughs> involve tight ends in Notre Dame because he's been that good this year. Yeah, no, he's he's phenomenal. Um, I I wish that he had come in post game just so I I would have asked him like what mess he was talking to the Syracuse player after he recovered the onside kick. Cause like he clearly was staring somebody down and pointing at them. Uh, and I wanted to know what the heck that was all about. Cause I don't know, like who's, who's talking crap to Michael Mayer. Like that just doesn't seem like a great career choice to me. Uh, DB DBs like to run their mouths, you know, and they have to have short memories. That's kind of, well, uh, there are plenty of DBs who I think are bold enough to do it, even if it doesn't <laughs> ultimately work out for them. <laughs> it's, you know, it's a choice. Why don't we sort of wrap up on this topic? We sort of danced around it a little bit, but like because every game is its own season and we all come away with like these great grand takeaways about like, what does it all mean? Um, What do you think today does for the rest of the season for Notre Dame other than all but assure that it will play in a hopefully San Diego, maybe Florida bowl game at the end of the season? Um, String together back to back wins, regardless of competition. I think you you talk yourself into um, next week. I'm not saying you're going to win, but like if they lost to Syracuse today, I mean, we we would have completely write next week's game off. Like it'd be yeah. a decent environment. It'd be a big name opponent, a top five opponent, all that jazz. Cool. Um, I think if you're Marcus Freeman and uh, you know coaches or, or part time psychologists, you take out the game film of Syracuse versus Clemson, and you take out the game film of us versus Clemson or us versus Syracuse. And you just talk these guys into convincing themselves they're going to win. It's not quite what Brian Kelly did um, when they beat them in 2020, but there was a lot of psychological warfare going on that season oh, yeah. in the buildup to that game and and to that night. And even when the fans did storm the field afterward, I remember um, I think it was Jeremiah Uso Carboa who came out and got asked about fans storming the field. And he goes, Yep, Kelly told us pregame they're going to storm right here. So we got to get out this way. And he started calling him Prophet Kelly and stuff. But that's one of those bold moves that obviously paid off um, because he knew the temperature of his team, knew what they're capable of. And uh, it was a great game and it came down to the final play, but they did it. Um, don't think the stakes are, well, I know the stakes aren't quite as high um, for Notre Dame this time, but they could certainly play spoiler uh, in the college football playoff field with this one. And again, they're getting a top five opponent at home. They do not get opportunities like this all that often. I mean, before that last Clemson one, what was the last top? I mean, the top 10, the only one I think was was Stanford in 18, which was by no means an actual top 10 team. It just happened to be undefeated in the third or fourth weekend of, of September. Um, so certainly there's more excitement, more oomph going into this week's game. And look, even if they play them close and lose, uh, you never know how you'll recover from that emotionally. But I, I do think it, it's a little bit more than just, okay, they're going to go two and two from here on out. Um, mm-hmm. It's... I mean, <laughs> BC lost 13 to three today, by the way, to UConn. Like, oh, that, that is a bad football team. Phil Dracovic got hurt, didn't finish it, but they weren't moving the ball well with them before that. Um, 
yeah, that, that, that was not pretty. Uh, by the way, do we know what Al Golden's like against the option? Because I think he struggled against Georgia Tech when he was at Miami. Let's just take it one game at a time, man. Okay, okay. okay. What do I, what do I <laughs> say? Um, no, I, I, I agree with most of that. I do think it it makes... Not that Notre Dame has like a free roll against Clemson now after beating Syracuse, but you're not staring at like a two-game losing streak. Um, hopefully, this lets Notre Dame go out and play a little bit more freely next week. Um, I could see them being very, very tight if they had lost today right. and then having to go into Clemson. Um, hopefully, you know, for Notre Dame's sake, it also kind of cuts the defense loose a little bit mm-hmm. with the the really should have been three turnovers, but was two. Um, that they can go out and make some plays. Um, I think that we know pretty much everything there is to know about Notre Dame already. Um, I think that's definitely good enough to go seven and five might be good enough to go eight and four. Um, And I think like, look, if if you said Notre Dame split USC and Clemson to finish eight and four, I don't, I'm not saying at the beginning of the year, you would have taken it, but maybe at halftime of Cal, you would have taken it. Um, You know, it, it it would show some improvement with the program, which that was the biggest thing you wanted to see from Marcus Freeman as year one. Like, could Notre Dame get better as the season went on? I think if they finished eight and four, you would you would have to concede that they got better. Um, and but going to eight and four meant you absolutely had to win today. Um, and I think today's performance, they won. This didn't feel like the BYU game when Syracuse was coming back where you're like, Oh boy. Um, and it certainly didn't feel like Oklahoma state. So I think that's significant too, that you were able to sort of stem the tide, um, against an opponent that was kind of, you know, fumbling around a little bit, trying to get back in the game, but had gotten this crowd back in it. And Notre Dame was able to sort of write the ship within the game, which is not something I think has been as a great strength of theirs to date. No, I think we know who they are. And there are levels within who they are. And we saw, at least from a, a, a trenches standpoint, pretty close to the top level of, of what they are, what they can be, and what they're going to need to be if they're going to spring an upset here down the stretch. I mean, when they did beat Clemson in 2020, they were the tougher team. They were better on the offensive line and defensive line, and they ultimately clinched that game, I believe, either with a sack or forcing DJ uh, Uyangale to basically throw it away on the, the final play of double overtime. So uh, we know who they are. We think we know what they can be. I think doing it today against the opponent that at least on paper, you could talk yourself into being really good. Even if Syracuse probably isn't that good was a good confidence boost for this group. And I think it adds uh, extra excitement heading into this week, heading into November, um, which is where Brian Kelly always made his name early on at Notre Dame. Um, you know, I think he went only lost one November game his first two years there um, after uh, some uneven September's and October's. Um, so we'll, we'll see what this team is about when Clemson comes to town next Saturday night. But it definitely, I'm definitely a lot more excited for it after today. Yeah. Will you and will you be joining me in the press box next week? Of course, I'll be there. I'm, okay. Well, and and uh, Northwestern Ohio State's at 11 a.m. So uh, I'm going to do my best to see two <laughs> top five teams in one day. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to stay the whole game, nor do I think I'll need to, considering it's Ohio State and Northwestern. But want, I want to see the Buckeyes again in person, um, and I want to see Clemson in person as well. So Yeah, you can beat be traffic a- on Lakeshore Drive to uh, get down to South Bend, hop on the toll road from there. It, um, yeah, it, it definitely it raises the stakes and the excitement over next week, and what do we love more than anything in college football? We love big games that feel like they're big, and I think next week feels a little bit bigger now uh, because of how Notre Dame played today. So 
I think there's yeah plenty to write about for me off this one. Um, there'll be plenty of for both of us to cover this week heading in towards Clemson uh, following Notre Dame's 41-24 victory over Syracuse here at the JMA Dome. Um, so, JMA Wireless. So, I think, JMA Wireless. Good God. I, I, I have to say, I was very pleased with the wireless connectivity here. So um, they, they have a good sponsor, JMA. It's like... Uh... It's like Sox fan. I feel like a Sox fan who's calling uh, Comiskey Park, whatever they call it now. Like I still call it Comiskey. I still call it the Carrier Dome. I still call it the Sears Tower. Like these places have one name only, and they'll always forever be known as just one name. Did you, by the way, did you take David Hale up on any of his uh, local brewery uh, I, and bathroom recommendations? I did not, but there is tonight for that. Um, <laughs> I would say we went to Myers Creek last night. It was good. Uh, the beer was better than the food, um, and. We'll see about tonight. I think there's there's plenty to write, but it's only five fifteen as we're wrapping up this podcast. So we'll see, we'll see what uh, good kind of trouble we can get into the, this evening around Syracuse. So until our midweek podcast next week, he's Matt. I'm Pete. Thanks for being with us on the latest episode of the Shamrock. Yeah.